Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Brought to you by Facebook. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, a surge in America's taxi driver numbers and an unexpected name in the big new leak of Trump administration vetting documents. But first, your value to Silicon Valley. Two senators, Democrat Mark Warner of Virginia and Republican Josh Hawley of Missouri, this morning introduced a bill that would require large tech platforms to disclose much more information about how they use consumer data and how they value it. It's called the Data Transparency Act and applies to platforms with at least 100 million monthly users. And it's got two main requirements. First, such companies must disclose to federal regulators the types of data collected from users and how that data is used, so long as it's not, quote, exclusively related to the online service in question. Second, the companies need to put a monetary value on that data. And that second part, that's to be made public to specific users. In other words, Twitter might tell me that my data is worth five bucks a month to them, but tell you that yours is worth 10 or vice versa. In other words, it's not an average of all users, and all of this info is supposed to be updated at least every 90 days. Here's some more context from Senator Warner, speaking during last night's episode of Axios on HBO. All of this personal information that is being sucked out of us, oftentimes unknowingly, as we use our phones and devices on a regular basis, that that is not something that is entirely owned by the platform company. To be sure, tech companies are going to fight this, uh, if only because it's a logistical nightmare and because they know it's difficult to get anything through Congress these days, even bills with bipartisan support. But the truth is that even if this bill joins the dustbin of legislative history, it's yet another sign that Washington, D.C. is getting serious about regulating Silicon Valley. And at some point, one of these efforts is bound to stick. In 10 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios Managing Editor Kim Hart. But first, this We've all seen online ads that seem perfectly tailored to us. And now we have better ways to learn how this works. Visit facebook.com slash about slash ads. We're joined now by Axios Managing Editor Kim Hart. I watched your HBO interview last night with Senator Warner about this bill. And so I'm going to ask you a variation of what you asked him. So let's say he and Senator Hawley get this through Congress and signed by the president. And these companies need to start disclosing this sort of information. So what? So the way that Senator Warner and Senator Hawley see it is that, yeah, sure, it may not be a huge deal to know, you know, it's not money in your pocket if you know that my personal data is worth $5 a month, for example, for one of the social media companies. But it does, as uh, Warner told me, it does help to show consumers that they aren't getting these services for free. It does come at a cost to them, and that cost is in the form of their personal data that they're giving up. And I think what he's trying to do is change the conversation so it becomes a more tangible exchange for consumers, something that he says consumers really don't understand the amount of information that is being collected by a wide variety of companies that make a lot of revenue off of the data that they're collecting from their users. We don't know what the number is going to be, right? We hear $5. Some people have talked $20. But let's stick with five since you used five. Mm-hmm. If I learn that the amount that these companies are making off of me is $5 a month, basically the cost uh, or maybe a tiny bit more of a Starbucks cup of coffee, I'd think that's not bad. I'm getting a lot for five bucks a month. Maybe some people would see a lot of value for that and other people wouldn't. Other people might be like, well, I should be getting more out of these services than what I'm getting. And I think he's also trying to show that someone has a more concrete idea of what their value is worth and how it's being used and how it's being monetized. 
then they might decide, hey, actually, it's better deal for me to pay for a subscription service for one of these services if one of those are available in a comparable way. So I think he's just trying to start the conversation. And it's also a precursor to another bill that he's going to be introducing in a few weeks around data portability, which would allow users to take their data from one platform to another. It's hard to have any concrete measurement for that unless you have some sort of value attached to it. And he's chosen to do it in a dollars and cents. Now, you also have, you know, California Governor Gavin Newsom, who has latched on to the idea of attaching, you know, a monetary value to your data. But he has a different spin on it in that he wants to actually have that a payout to consumers in some way. So they are sharing in the wealth that the big tech companies are gaining from that data. I think that that's a real long shot, even if the bill that we're talking about today is a long shot. I think that that proposal is even longer. But I think the big pushback here that you get from the tech companies, that you get from probably accountants, is it's really hard to come up with a calculation, a formula to calculate what your data may be worth across a wide variety of different platforms that use their data in different ways. Warner came back at you on that during the HBO interview and basically said, no, they know. And and Warner, obviously, a a one-time venture capitalist investing in tech companies, looked at you and said, they know exactly what you lost or what you're worth, rather. Yes, but he talked about it in the terms of an acquisition as they're looking to acquire different kinds of platforms. And they have a very, obviously, they know their business very well. They know how data is being used and what kind of revenue margin that provides for themselves. But I think what we didn't get a chance to talk about in the interview to go further into that is that sometimes these things are very dynamic metrics and these are all working on auction systems. What do you mean they're working on auction systems? Data is traded and bought and sold and collected in real time and it kind of ebbs and flows by how much a person is sharing in their data stream, how much they've given up to one company versus another. Different companies value that differently based on what kind of advertising they're selling against that data, how they're mashing it together to be able to come up with different insights that they're then trading to other clients. So it's a very dynamic and real-time up-and-down kind of system. And I think one of the problems that they might run into here is that it's going to be really hard for a company to be able to come up with an accurate metric that they can then share with a user on a regular basis that is not outdated as soon as it's shared with the user. One of the things in this bill is this does not apply to all social media platforms or all tech companies. There's a minimum here, which is you have to have at least 100 million unique monthly users. And so that covers more companies than people might think. For example, Reddit is in there. Why that limit? If this information is important for consumers and there's, say, 80 million people a month that use Service X, don't those 80 million people, shouldn't they be getting the same information that the people of a service that's got 500 million users are getting? Yeah, that's a fair point. And I think that this is a starting point that it's a let's start with a metric that would hit a large number of companies, but not all of them. See how it goes. See how we can work this out. And also when you're looking at an aggregate amount of data that the bill also requires these companies to do would be to file with the SEC an aggregate total sum of how much all of their users' data is worth. You can kind of see it in a larger scale. Also, those are the companies that would be able to afford to comply with that kind of a regulation, right? You have the same kind of argument with GDPR and other big regulations is that it it helps to, the big companies that can comply with it and the smaller companies might have a harder time. So I think that I don't think Warner would say, let's stop there if we can find a way to make this system and this metric work. But I think he's using this as a starting point for discussion. Senator Warner talked about how there's this growing interest by consumers 
consumers in learning about how their information is used and, and maybe even the value of their information. Do we know that or is it a growing interest on the part of Congress? I think we do know from a variety of polls, even some that we've conducted with our polling partners here at Axios, that there is a growing awareness of the value of their data or the fact that these platforms are using their data in ways that they may not have been really aware of when they signed up for services. And so I think that while there is a growing awareness about it and maybe, oh, my data actually is worth something and they're making a lot of money off of the information that I'm giving them and that they're asking me for. And so I think that while there's awareness, there may not be still this like call for action, like wanting some sort of regulation put on these companies. And so I think that's that goes back to what Senator Warner and Senator Hawley are trying to do here, which is basically to convince consumers even more that this is not a transaction in which they are getting a service for free. There is an exchange there and they may not always be on the winning side. Kim Hart of Axios, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. My final two right after this. So about those online ads, one way it works is advertisers look for categories of people with similar characteristics, like millennials who like hiking gear. To learn more, visit facebook.com slash about slash ads. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is new Department of Labor data showing a big increase in the number of Americans whose primary job is to drive other people around, whether as taxi drivers or chauffeurs or ride hail drivers for companies like Uber and Lyft. The data shows that nearly one third of 1% of Americans over 18 now fall into this category, which is about triple where it was a decade ago. And again, this is only about primary employment not folks who drive part-time to make ends meet. Quartz dove a bit deeper into the numbers and reports that a lot of this is being driven by Americans working in so-called high-density cities, like New York and Miami, where the percentage of drivers is more than double the national average. Or as Quartz puts it from a business perspective, quote, one big question about ride hail companies is whether they will ever find much success in less dense parts of the country, like suburbs and rural areas. And finally, Axios has obtained a trove of documents from shortly after the 2016 election, which shows how the incoming Trump administration vetted potential nominees for high-profile federal positions. Or, put more bluntly, the non-traditional slapdash Google-reliant method of vetting political nominees conducted by a team of 20-somethings at the Republican National Committee. Lots of names here you'd expect, like Mick Mulvaney and Rex Tillerson and Ben Carson, but then one really odd one. Ari Emanuel, who's CEO of global talent agency and live events company Endeavor. Yes, Emanuel was Trump's agent, but he's also a lifelong Democrat, whose brothers are former Obama chief of staff Rahm Emanuel and Obamacare architect Zeke Emanuel. Plus, it's pretty hard to imagine that Ari would leave Endeavor just after it bought Ultimate Fighting Championship and was blazing a path toward IPO, which it filed for just a couple weeks ago. So why was he researched? Sadly, we don't know, with a source close to Emanuel telling me that Ari wasn't even aware he was being vetted. And oddly, that kind of makes sense. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great National Pralines Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.